You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. In connection with our text from Habakkuk 3, we're going to the New Testament first to Philippians 4. The connection is that the Apostle Paul, also like the prophet Habakkuk, elaborate, they they speak of what it is to rejoice in the Lord. Also, both of them have in common that they learned what it was to rejoice in the Lord through difficult times. So we turn to Philippians 4 and read the Word of God there. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, local yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the Gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now we continue in our Bibles where we left off Habakkuk 3, verses 16 to 19. Some of us weren't here last week, so I should get us up to date. Last week we looked at Habakkuk's first and second complaint in chapters 1 and 2. And the Lord answered them both. And also, for the sake of context, I should say that I preached through this series in Guelph, and because of time, we're looking at three of the five sermons here in Langley, so this is the the third of the three, and we have to skip chapter two, the five woes against Babylon, which are in chapter two, verse six to twenty, and we're also missing the first part of Habakkuk's prayer and that's verses 1 to 15. I heard, my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, going into 2013, just about everybody wants it to be a year of peace, wants it to be a year of joy. But what if it is a very difficult year? that's the case, even if that's not the case, we can be so thankful that the Word of God is sufficient in both the good times and in the bad times. As we've just sang, and as we've just read, the end of the book of Habakkuk just beautifully ends with how a believer can be joyful even during the bad times. Going into 2013... 2013 will have to be a very terrible year indeed for it to be worse than Habakkuk's coming year, his year so long ago. And yet we we just saw that the Spirit in him enabled him to rejoice. So we too can be joyful because life circumstances don't have the final word on how we experience our life in 2013. And rather, God's Word is the final word on how we perceive life in 2013. So with this in mind, brothers and sisters, I bring to you the Word of God under this theme and points. 
In the face of calamity, we learn how to rejoice in God our Savior. And we'll look at two points then. We'll look at the reality of calamity. And we'll also look at the reality of rejoicing. So let's look at the reality of calamity first. And we'll zero in on this reality in, in two sections. So the reality is seen first in verse 16a. Here we see that Habakkuk's body just goes into action in response to the calamity. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking that nurses among us would probably understand this the best. So we'll look at, we'll look at that more, more briefly than, than we'll look at something else. And that secondly, the reality of the calamity is pictured. The reality of the calamity is pictured in verses 16b and verse 17. So by pictured, I mean that we have a preview there of the oncoming Babylonian invasion. Because for those who were not here last week, that, this is what Habakkuk is really wrestling with. In, chap, in chapter 1, he was really wrestling with, how can the people of Judah be so wicked and God can stand by? And then the Lord answers and says to Habakkuk, look, I'm sending the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk has an even bigger issue with this. He complains again, how can you use the Babylonians? They're far more wicked than the people in Judah to punish. So now we have here the preview of this oncoming Babylonian invasion. But first, we, we look at how Habakkuk is just sent reeling by the, the shaking theophany of God. And just to remind us again, that's what, that's what we sang about. What's a theophany again? It's a disclosing, it's a, it's a revealing of, of God. And so that's the earlier verses of chapter 3. And it, it's Habakkuk just re, re, recalling, remembering how God has made His presence known before and in those same words, he anticipates that God is going to make His presence known again. And in this anticipation, we see that His heart pounds. The reality of God's coming, it's, it's so very vivid to Him. So He experiences this intense physical trauma, you could say. He's trembling. And he's not the only one who has done this before. Boys and girls, do you remember other times in Scripture when we hear of people just trembling at the coming of the Lord? So for example, in the book of Deuteronomy, the people of Israel, they're on the march to the promised land. They beat their path to the promised land. And as they go... God puts the fear of His people into the hearts of the nations that they're coming to invade. And so these people that were are in present-day Israel and other parts of the Middle East, long ago they were just in anguish. They were, they were just trembling because of what their ears had heard about Israel and what their ears had heard about Israel's God. And so that coming calamity just had them shaking in their sandals. And so that's supposed to be bringing a picture in our minds of how Habakkuk also, he's just shaking in his sandals. His lips, 
are quivering. And the, the Hebrew here is probably describing the, the chattering of teeth. And it's that chattering of teeth that you've probably had sort of associated with, with shivering sometimes. So perhaps a doctor might have been concerned about his symptoms. And he feels this rottenness in his bones. Some of us may know that feeling. Have you received news that's left you just shaking and, and, and feeling weak? So his feelings are very intense. He's in this, also this state of awe and, and of reverence. No more complaints are coming from his lips like in, in chapter 1, chapter 2. His lips are too busy quivering. He's awe and reverent before the Lord. Awe and reverent before the Lord and His coming. Coming in calamity. We see also in Scriptures that someone like the prophet Daniel could empathize with Habakkuk. Daniel receives a vision from the Lord where the Lord also opens his eyes to what is coming. And what's Daniel's response to the vision? It says in Daniel 8, verse 27, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Later on in Daniel 10, verse 8, Daniel says, So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. So we see Habakkuk was certainly no loner in his trembling. And, and there's more examples besides Daniel as well. And now, brothers and sisters, we read this, and perhaps the thought may have crossed their minds. Perhaps that this kind of emotion is, is over the top. Perhaps it makes us think of more extreme Pentecostal churches. And... Of course, at the same time, we know it's not over the top because it's in God's Word. And also, Habakkuk isn't engaged in holy laughter or something else you might find in a more extreme Pentecostal church. The picture we have here is of a godly man trembling at God's Word. So there's nothing but good in this. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, the Lord says, This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So catch the last bit there. And and trembles at my word. So in other words, the fact that Habakkuk is trembling, this in fact just shows how much he believes in this coming calamity. He really believes the Lord that this is what is coming. So then I was working on this passage and I just realized how humbly it is to realize that I need to tremble more at God's word. Because the New Testament too... It's also very positive about trembling. Well-known passage, Philippians 2, verse 12. We know that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear, and we're supposed to work out our salvation with trembling. Also, Hebrews 12 says, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's be thankful and so worship God with reverence and awe. So, brothers and sisters, this is what's supposed to energize our worship on Sundays and also during the rest of the week, this reverence and this awe. Because also for us, looking back, 
Our King has come. Just celebrate Christmas. The Lord Jesus, born in Bethlehem. Our King has come. We also look forward. Our King is coming again. Perhaps 2013, we don't know. And so, let the earth tremble. That, that's the reality. And, and that will be a calamity as well for those who don't believe. And so, also as we watch for our King's return, we, we wait patiently. And this too we see is what Habakkuk does. He waits patiently for the day of the calamity that is coming of that nation invading Israel. And if you know the book of Habakkuk, then you know that this is not the first time that Habakkuk has waited patiently. This is not the first time that Habakkuk has waited on the Lord. He has stood at his watch waiting before. Habakkuk 2 verse 1. The difference is that then he was waiting for God to speak. The difference is that then he was waiting for God to rebuke him. Now he's waiting for God to unleash the Babylonians to invade his nation. So what a calamity. So again, no wonder he is trembling. And then also, bring it around for us as well. We have to wait patiently for the day of calamity as well, brothers and sisters. Because the Lord Jesus Christ will ride forth in judgment to save His people. And we should tremble at His coming because because what a day that is going to be that that the King will invade earth again. That He's going to come back and He's going to clean up what He already started here 2,000 years ago. 2 Thessalonians 1 says He'll come in blazing fire and He'll come with His powerful angels. So again, we have so many questions on our mind going into 2013. But let's not forget this question. Will it be 2013 when He comes back? And those who don't believe, 2 Thessalonians 1 will receive everlasting destruction. But those who do believe, they'll marvel at His coming. So he's really coming, brothers and sisters. So let us, let us wait patiently. So brothers and sisters, we also learn how to wait patiently despite our circumstances. Many of us have a very full year planned. We have, we have work lined up for the year. We have money in the bank. Perhaps we already have holidays booked. Many of us have spouses. Many of us have families. We have freezers and pantries with perhaps weeks of food in them. We have a vehicle. We have two vehicles. So our life is very full. And the list could go on. But others of, others of us may have an easier time feeling what Habakkuk feels. We may be missing a spouse. We may be desiring a spouse. Finances may be tight. We may have sickness in the family. We may have a shortage of work. So we may read verse 17, and we can somewhat imagine how Habakkuk felt when he says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. We read that and we realize he anticipates having absolutely nothing. 
And on further reflection, we, we, we see that Habakkuk lived in a time, he lived in a society where it was mainly agrarian. So that means that most of the people were farmers. Now, some of us may have vegetable gardens and perhaps we're looking forward to planting. I guess you could do that in BC, Ontario, you'd be waiting till a lot later. But we might might have vegetable gardens and we're disappointed if the rabbits come and they they eat it or some fungus comes and it destroys our plants. But at the same time, it's not a complete calamity. We can go to their grocery store and we won't we won't starve at least. Now I'm not sure if Israel today, modern day Israel, has food basics or no frills or, or Fortinos. Probably not. But I'm sure they have grocery stores of some sort there today. But in Habakkuk's day they had no grocery stores. They needed these crops. They needed these animals to survive. So how could how could they rejoice? They they were cursed without them. This is a calamity. And being the the fact that they were cursed, well, that's exactly what's being loosed on Judah. That's exactly what's coming. The Babylonians are a curse from the Lord. The people of Judah had largely turned from the Lord. They'd largely gone their own way. And now they're receiving the covenant curses. If they'd obeyed the Lord, they would have lived. If they'd obeyed the Lord, they would have prospered. But now they receive death. Now they receive destruction. And the Lord had warned them in Deuteronomy 28. It is good to see just how closely the covenant curses are reflected in Habakkuk's words. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. And just keep keep in mind how close this is to to Habakkuk's words and what, what they don't have. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all His commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flock. You'll be cursed when you come in, and cursed when you go out. So we can see there that what's described in Deuteronomy is this is exactly what's coming upon them. So it's absolutely terrible. And how will Habakkuk and the rest of the righteous community of his time, how are they going to rejoice in such a disaster? And we realize that the righteous are going to suffer along with the unrighteous. Because neither are going to have sheep. Neither are going to have the cattle. Neither are going to have the olives. And yet at the same time, and this is a theme from Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith, whereas the unrighteous will not. Now, what's a a good example of the unrighteous attitude? Again, thinking back in history, the attitude of the unrighteous during this time resembled the attitude of those in the desert. So when the Israelites were in the desert, they were going through some hard times. And the question would be, 
Would they grumble against the Lord or would they not grumble against the Lord? Boys and girls, do you remember what some of the Israelites said? Some of them grumbled. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the onions, the leeks, the melons, the garlic. So this this attitude, this attitude that grumbles like that, here's one that treasures and holds the blessings of God to be the most dear, the most precious, but doesn't hold God Himself to be the most dear, the most precious. That's why they're grumbling against Him. So to transfer from that time to Habakkuk's time, this would be the attitude that would hold the grapes of the vine to be the most dear. The sheep in the pen, the olive crop, the the cattle in the stalls. But the attitude wouldn't hold God Himself to be the most dear. So this is an attitude that lacks faith in God and, and then therefore would also lack joy in God in the face of a calamity. Because they're holding on to the blessings of God rather than God Himself. So then the reality of the rejoicing wouldn't be present in their lives. But, for Habakkuk and those who live by faith, there would be the reality of rejoicing. And, and there's our second point. There would be the reality of rejoicing. And Habakkuk says in verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And the key word here is that three-letter word, yet. So everything can go down the tubes. And yet, Habakkuk can walk around the country. Habakkuk can visit the olives, where the olives grow. And he can see nothing. And he can go to the vineyard. And he can look at the vines. And he can see nothing. And he can go to the sheep pen. Look in the sheep pen. Nothing. Go to the cattle stall. Nothing in the stalls. And yet. And so, when he finds nothing, we still wonder, how can his rejoicing be real? And to zoom out a little bit from Habakkuk's situation and our situation, it's it's also in 2013 in places like Newtown, Connecticut, Pastors struggle to tell people how, how they'll find joy in the coming year. After, after something like a school shooting, after the funerals of so many young children. And one Connecticut pastor said the healing would, would take time, of course. He said it would take time, and that will be the Word. It will be the Word that will ultimately bring peace and joy. And he said... That's the word by which we live. That's the word by which we hope. That's the word by which we love. And he's so right, and he's so on the same page as Habakkuk. Because the word brings healing. One particular, again bringing attention to this, one particular word of God's word in Habakkuk, so especially for good for us to look at right now. Again, that, that word yet. So, so important. So important for our daily life. So important for, for the Christian life. Because everything and anything can be going wrong, and yet we can find comfort in that word yet. So how does the, the yet of Habakkuk 
apply to your life? What, what's there going on with us, brothers and sisters, that, that we need to think, this is going on, and yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. And there's always a temptation, right, to, to think of what it means for everybody else. But what about us? So in Habakkuk's case, despite absolute destruction at the hands of brutal men like the Babylonians, yet Habakkuk will rejoice in, in, in such a reality. He doesn't hide from what's coming. He doesn't go into denial. He doesn't put his head into the sand. He patiently awaits the tragedy and he says that he will rejoice. So the complaining prophet has become the rejoicing prophet. He gives us this taste of what it is to live by faith. He rejoices in the Lord. He enjoys the blessings of the Lord, yes. But it's the Lord Himself who is the most dear to Him. God as Savior is the source of His joy. So as long as He has the Lord, then life is good. So brothers and sisters, we see here such a beautiful way to live life. The Holy Spirit uses Habakkuk to show that we can be content in any and every circumstance. And the Holy Spirit uses the Apostle Paul as well. We read about that in Philippians 4. We read that Paul was no stranger to what it was to be in need. Paul said he was also no stranger to what it was to have plenty. And then in both circumstances, he tells us here that I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry living plenty, or in want. And then he says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. So this is such a beautiful reality that for Paul that he could always rejoice in the times such as they were given to him. And we're joined in our joy and by others in the, in the, in the Lord all over, all over the globe. In Hamilton, we have a mission called Streetlight in the downtown area. And some of those who have come and come to the church are, are from the Karen tribe of Southeast Asia. And brothers and sisters, for a little bit of background, they come from refugee camps. And I got to know some of them, so I read, read up on them a little bit more. And a director that helps these people at, at these camps, these refugee camps, she tells of one lady, now I quote, one lady whose husband and child, child killed by soldiers, greeted us with such a smile, you'd never know the tragedies she experienced. And the same director said that for many of these people, their only joy is Jesus. So these, vir- these refugees are virtually nothing, and yet, yet they rejoice in the Lord Jesus. Now thinking about this, most likely it's more challenging in some ways for us to remember the Lord Jesus in this new year. Many of us have so many things to keep straight in our head. So many lists. So much preparation. 
We may have no, no sheep in the pen, but we certainly have a lot of, of juggling to do in, in other regards. And then in the middle of keeping all the balls in the air, we need to remember, brothers and sisters, that the Sovereign Lord is our strength. So we need to lean. We need to lean on Him. In contrast, and going to the book of Habakkuk, in Habakkuk's time, the Babylonians leaned on their own strength. Many of the Israelites, they leaned on their own strength too. And they leaned on their own wisdom. And they leaned on their own standards for doing what's right, for doing what's wrong. And they ignored the Lord's. So brothers and sisters, also what, what about us? What are, what are we leaning on? What's our strength? Are we leaning on, on God's Son? He was born Christmas. He was born to die for our sins so that we might rejoice. Habakkuk knew already in his time that the Lord would provide a way for the righteous to live by faith. And Paul got to know more than Habakkuk did. Inspired by the Spirit, he knew the gift was God's own Son on the cross so that believers were made righteous in Him, are made righteous in Him. And and what Paul knew is also what we confess in our catechism, Lord's Day 23. Although we have sinned against all of God's commandments, and we've never kept any of them, yet, okay, so brothers and sisters, notice the yet there. God, without any merit of, of our own, imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. So what a gift this is, brothers and sisters. The catechism says this is all ours. And it says this is all ours if only we accept this gift with a believing heart. So brothers and sisters, open the arms of your heart in 2013 because we have to take God's gift to us by faith and God is no Scrooge. He gives so generously. And yet we must believe to receive. And thankfully, faith is also a gift. So we have so much reason for rejoicing. And the faith God has given Habakkuk, it also allows him to confess that the Lord makes his feet like the feet of a deer. The Lord enables him to go on the heights. King David confessed the same in Psalm 18 when the Lord saved him from the enemy. So for Habakkuk and for David and all the faithful, these are words of triumph that they can sing even when they're trembling. God makes them and us who believe like like a deer. And when we think of a deer, we should be thinking of quick, sure-footedness. And hopefully we're, we're picturing in our minds uh, a deer or a mountain goat picking its way up to the yeah, I don't want to think of the escarpment anymore. We've got some real mountains here. So, picking its way up up the mountains. And the way, the, the way isn't easy. And there's serious setbacks. But the deer has feet that are steady. She doesn't tire and she, she continues to go. She continues to bound with energy and she makes her way to the top and ultimately... She makes it. 
So in the same way, Habakkuk knows that even with the calamity of the Babylonians coming, he will live. The faithful will climb to the summit of victory and they'll do it rejoicing. The sovereign Lord will make sure of that. And we also see that they'll do it to music. They'll, they'll sing as they climb. And Habakkuk's prayer is for the director of music. And so now, brothers and sisters, with this in mind, let us prepare to sing as well. Because we sing of our true strength. We sing of our true hope. And we sing not in our own strength. And we sing not because of earthly hopes. And rather we sing in faith. And it's living by faith that we confidently climb with the song on our lips. So brothers, let's do that in 2013. And let's sing now some more of Habakkuk's prayer. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.